the, the construction industry is expected to make profit every single time on you know every project and every element of work um, no. so i think the expectations are, are fairly harsh in construction they, they seem to be pretty much instantaneous hello innovators i'm todd wyant and welcome to the bridging the gap podcast presented by applied software you're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Simon Waldron, Operations Director at Apex Wiring Solutions. Simon has a long history with Modular, DFMA, and Lean. Apex and Simon work hard to advocate for modular construction, helping to drive the industry to better identify the challenges while providing solutions to adapt to meet future market needs. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hi, Todd. Yeah, thanks. It's an honor to be with you today. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to it. Well, let's start with how you first got involved in the construction industry to begin with. Yeah, okay. So um, I, I've listened to a few of your shows and I hear the same thing again, so I'm not trying to copy of other people's st stories here, but <laughs> mine's, uh, my, my story is my story. Um, I uh, basically followed my, my father into to the industry by watching and learning from him. Uh, he wasn't uh, directly in construction it was a support business from the side so electrical wholesale uh, and lighting specialists um, so that that went back to around about the time not long after i was born and from my earliest memory my father was always seemed to be at work and one of the only ways to spend time with him was to to go and sit with him on a weekend or, or go and uh, try and catch up with him on a school holiday so um as i sort of grew up and, and realized what was going on. He <clears throat> he was part of that construction network and um, one of the sort of vital uh, key chains in the supply to, to sites. So uh, yeah, so I've always uh, been fascinated by it and uh, been involved from, from that aspect. So from my earliest memories, I was always um, sort of following my old, old man around, uh, trying to catch up with him and spending time sitting in his office and, and you know, uh, copying what he did, trying to emulate my old father, my father. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, going back to earliest memories, that's where it all started from, really. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's amazing to me how many family links there are in construction. That's a, it's a very common <laughs> uh, origin <laughs> is some sort of a family connection that brought people yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I am fascinated and, and seem to be from, yeah, again, from an early age in, in buildings, I always love to see things going up. So, and, you know, playing with Lego and stuff like that from an, an early age building stuff. So I didn't end up being a builder, um, but, you know, still you can always, you, there's a, every, every key chain and part of the supply chain is really important. So I sort of, uh, have always been in and around the, the services side of things, either directly or in, in support of that. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd love for you to share your story of the, the journey into industrialized construction and the whole modular prefab world for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So really the, um, my beginnings, uh, with that company that my father had is, um, primarily from wholesale. So it was always component parts. It's always bits and pieces that go together to make something for something in construction. So, um, sort of starting off and coming from that perspective, it's always been fairly um, standard or, or part of what my understanding of the, the system was for construction. Um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. So as I, uh, um, I guess, graduated and learned things through time, um, I ended up moving from working with with him into uh, he encouraged me to go out and you know, spread my wings and do other things. He decided that he wanted me to go and learn and and not just be part of that family business forever and ever. So I I stepped out, uh, went and did a a master's degree and opened my eyes up to what was. So went into working with a, a few other companies in uh, in the industry, working in um, storage tanks, um, water separators, uh, attenuation systems, um, that type of thing for, for about a year and a half, two years during, during my study. Um, and then into a specialist fit out company that did um, worked in hospitals um, and that type of thing. So they, they worked in specialist area there. And again, eye opener to see what was, um, what it was all about, how people approach things. And what I, what I realized from, from this side of things is that the, in certain elements of the industry, there's, there's a fair amount of collaboration and um, early involvement because they are a specialist in that field. So where people then um, will go to people who do um, storage tanks, um, the, the separators and so on that I mentioned before, or, or the specialist fit out companies is they'll go straight to them and, and ask for their input and opinions, even get them to do some of the integrated design and, and upfront work. Um, and as I sort of grew and, and uh, uh, moved around over time, I, I always had a fascination with um, uh, the, the, the actual project management and quantity surveying, um, more probably prevalent in the UK than anything else. And I, I studied, I went to work for a, uh, a quantity surveying and project management firm in the UK. And most of their work was in and around hospitals and schools, which were at that, at that time, the mainstay of construction in the UK. Um, and so I, I worked in and around that area, looking at contracts, looking at how these things came together, look at how uh, the design was managed, how the, the integration of contracts through the, um, the main contractor or, or GC as it is in the US, how then the, the team was built. Uh, and some of these projects uh, were run through a really, um, I guess you'd say sort of innovative or open book contract suite. So they, the hospitals in particular from the government in the UK were run through uh, Procure 21, which was the name of the contract suite at the time. And that was inherently an open book contract where at the very beginning of the, the design process, the stakeholder, the, the, the government department for that infrastructure, the, the hospital um, team that were part of the build, the, the builder uh, and all of the team that were part of that uh, process were brought together in, in workshops, programming, sequencing, getting the expert advice and, and inputs from all of the team and that's just the way that the contract was built. So being exposed to things from, from that aspect, uh, I probably end up with a slightly skewed opinion of, of what was in, in construction because there's a lot of collaboration there, a lot of um, upfront involvement and the, the programming and design was, was, was almost 100% before you know, anyone put a, a shovel in the ground before anything happened. Oh, wow. So th things were worked through. That's not to say that 
everything's the same in, in those in the UK and it's not not done like that on all projects. It, it just happened to be that for the hospital and school schemes that they run out um, uh-huh. through the, the 90s and 2000s, that, that was a contract suite. So I, I was exposed to that. Um, uh, and then I, I uh, reconnected with the, the Apex team again and uh, started working with them um, in a different vein. And, and, and part of that decision to, to connect with them again was that my, my family, my wife and I decided that we were going to move to Australia. She's from Australia, my wife, Simone, and uh, we, we decided that we just had twins and we thought, right, the best place for, for the kids to grow up is probably going to be in the, uh, the sunshine and, and uh, outdoor living of, of uh, Australia. So we made the decision from a family perspective, but then we looked at the the um, what, what I had still had access to through my sort of former family business that it was, and my um, good relationship with Dave Dave Lewis, who's the owner of Apex in the UK. So we we, we brought the Apex system to Australia, and first project we did was a hospital. So again, looking at that um, kind of fit for purpose scenario, we 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 worked into that. So um, through the through the industrialized construction uh, lens, those types of things I was I was exposed to. Like I said, maybe I was given a um, a one sided view or a one eyed view of how things were. And um, since then, it's been a little bit of a challenge. I'll be brutally honest with you, because not everyone looks at it the same way. Not not every contract's built the same way, and certainly not everybody thinks the same way. Um, not that that's a bad yeah. thing, it's just just exposure. So it's there, it's just, it's done in, in certain pockets and elements of, of the industry um, and, and has been for, for a while. And the, and the other elements that, that, that aren't necessarily in that uh, frame just yet are probably because it's they're, they're sort of relying on what their the usual flow of, of work is and how often contracts are, are built and, and um, how they're structured. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organizes, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a really interesting perspective that you are coming with having been exposed pretty quickly uh, to the the mindset of industrialized construction because it's not necessarily um like there's it's a challenge getting a lot of people to adopt that mindset because it is a is a mindset shift uh how it used to be but from your perspective what is the what's the biggest potential that i see holds for the industry moving forward well um so when, when I, um, people ask me about IC and I, 
for some reason I, I often jump to, or I don't know whether it's everybody's perspective, but often it's through the lens of prefabrication and modular, right? It's, it doesn't need to be, it's just that that seems to be the way that people are doing things. So yeah. um, if you look at how they're doing things and we're part of that with, with our system, because it is fundamentally a prefabricated and modular system. So it's done, it's done through the, that, that, that methodology. But from an IC perspective, it's, it, yes, it, obviously it is mindset. Okay, yeah, it is. Um, I think it's, it's gonna be led um, a lot by what technology is coming out. So the platforms that are being developed now, so, you know, we all know Amy Marks and, and her, you know, she's, um, she's, she's leading the way and showing us how things can be done. If not, just just making us aware of it, you know, right. showing you where to land. So, um, not not necessarily trying to plug, but you know, the Autodesk uh, is is taking the lead and going right. Let's just do this. Let's just let's collaborate um, as a you know a, a, a structure, and and they they have got a platform there. There are obviously others, and we we use different ones for our design and integration of, of systems as well. Um, but it's it's looking at it from then how how you take uh, that element to actually physically building something, and that's where it seems to get stuck a little bit. Is uh, there's a lot of technology running out there doing great things, um, you know, VR, AI. Um, there's all sorts of things there that you can use, and and this is really good. This is great because it means that that side of it's being taken care of. The bit that needs the the help is the the physical. Um, doing of things and wh where I see the um, it's not just going around and bashing people over the head trying to educate and say you must do this you should do this it's I think enabling and, and making the, the step across you know the bridging the gap element I suppose is is bridging that um, the, what can be done to what, what what is being done or will be done so I mentioned it before with my exposure is certain types of contracts that will help the, uh, uh, we, we, I think we're sort of getting to the point where we're, we're talking about kit of parts where that's going to be become embedded within software and design. And mm -hmm. a lot of the suppliers, if you look at the far end, the suppliers and manufacturers who make these things will embrace this with open arms. Okay. So they, they're, they're probably ready for it. It's the bit in the middle. So it's the, the economics, as well, so that that's going to fundamentally change the economics of the building. It's going to change the economics of all of the the contracts, uh, subcontracts, all the trades. That obviously, we're exposed to with uh, MEP um, is it's inherently a, a very labour-heavy uh, part of the business or, or the industry. So, how do you then help them or help create a new ecosystem and economic system for them? Because it's not then just going to be about labor. It's going to be about the smarts, the, the methods. What can you do, you know, offsite or what can be done standardized so that it's, you know, you, there are elements that are the same on every building. You know, there's, there's, there just are. There's, there's always going to be PowerPoints. There's going to, always going to be light fitting. So a lot of those things can be mass produced or, or designed to be standard and a kit of parts. Um, so, I don't know that I'm giving you answers. I'm just identifying the areas that I think can see that need, they are being worked on and they need more, more effort and work is the contracts and the sort of legal side, which is managing the risk, okay, which is what everyone looks at straight away or the builders do anyway. 
is then the economics of how it's going to work. Um, and then the, the, the bit in the middle, it's the, it's the people, it's, it's bringing people through. And, and part of what we've got to look at as well is um, probably a fallout of those is the finance metrics. And, and with, with things being productized and, and, and manufactured to possibly a higher quality or um, being able to offer warranties longer than currently are offered in, in uh, on-site building purposes is there's going to be a different metric there for the financing. So the OPEX and CAPEX cost, we, we've had recent discussions with people about this and it, it seems to be happening. So there's sort of three or four areas that I see is um, probably coming to the surface a bit more now. Yeah. So how do you then demonstrate the ROI of industrialized constructions to those who, who may be skeptical of yeah. really embracing? Yeah, so, the, okay, so um, I think one of the things is people look for ROI on one project. Now, I, I'm not the first to say this. I think one of your guests said this just you know, a couple of weeks ago. So um, this is the other thing. That's the mindset thing is it won't just be an ROI on one project. It will be a yeah. series of, of steps to get to ultimate ROI because it's a change. It's a big shift. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to allow for that. You, you know, you compare, I often compare what's happened or happening in the car industry. And I always use the iPhone or Apple as an example, because they're always innovating and changing. Now, no one has any real exposure on what the ROI for them is on the next model or the new model, because we don't know. It may be that they're losing money hand over fist, but they've just got to keep on the edge of innovation. You've got to keep going. Um, we, you know, Amazon famously, I don't know now, but the first 10 years didn't make a single dollar in profit. You know, this, the, the construction industry is expected to make profit every single time on, you know, every project and every element of work. Um, no. So I think the expectations are, are fairly harsh in construction. They, they seem to be pretty much instantaneous. Um, and the, the, that expectation probably needs to, to change somewhat because uh, there needs to be some investment to change. Um, and, and governments can be involved more. So I think it's got to be involved involvement from governments and the, the infrastructure departments. Uh, and then more, more synergy and discussion between them. So between the healthcare, the schools and the other divisions of, of and the you know, justice departments of, of our governments is uh, more synergies at that level as well would help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a long-term um, play here. It, it is. a marathon, look, not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, look, so uh, having said all that, there, there are, uh, you know, wins that you get on every project for the ROI of, of bringing something in. So there, there definitely is that. It's just the bigger, longer term ROI is definitely from, like, I don't know what the realistic time frame is, but it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a few years at least. You know, I think mm -hmm. people have mentioned sort of five to 10 years, and it just will be something like that because there's going to be, uh, it, it's going to take time to embed into the system. Yeah. Well, there's some learnings that you have to pick up along the way too, and and readjustment from those learnings, and really embracing the the mindset that it's it's okay to fail if you fail quick and uh, get it out of the way, and then you learn from that and adapt on be agile enough to adapt. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'll paraphrase, maybe not quote Amy directly, but she talks about this in the silos and projects starting every time as a white piece of paper. Look, it's not, she's not, that's not a soundbite. That happens. That happens all the yeah. time. And I, and I scratch my head. I, you know, it blows my mind. We're looking, we're talking about hospitals. We work a lot in hospitals. And I, I just, every time it's like a white piece of paper. It's like, so, <laughs> so guys, what are we going to do now? Um, well, we're building a hospital. So what, what, what about the last one you did? Oh, that was a different team. That was, that was Sally's team. That was Johnny's team. You know, we're, we're different. We're going to do it differently this time. Well, yeah, but you can still learn from yeah. Sally and Johnny and what they did. And, and look, half your team is, is from that job. What, what, what went wrong? What went right? You know, share the love. It's, it's, I don't know. It's in, innovation. Sometimes I think people think you've got to start with a white piece of paper. You, you start. You, you've got to stand on the shoulders of people before you. You've got to look at what's been done before and you know, don't go down those the, the, the blind alleys that they went down. Learn from them. Yeah. You can make yeah. you can make failure. You can so you can fail rather. But why fail again? Don't don't fail where someone else has failed. Do you feel indestructible? Well, do you? Then MEP Force 2021 is the event for you. It is the gathering place for industry thought leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is it's all industry led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you'll be getting real life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, we'll be having some in-person networking events in select cities so sign up today and we just may be coming to your city. Go over to MEPForce.com to claim your edge today and use promo code BTG to get your discounted ticket. Looking forward to seeing all my innovators at MEPForce. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I think innovation is learning from those failures. And if you are, are just making the, the same failures and doing the same thing the exact same way, then you're not innovating you're just being silly <laughs> you're, you're you're being stupid <laughs> oh i've seen look we we and and this is the thing we we the the, the modular wiring system that and, and we, there's a few different variants of what 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 we do um was developed from learning from other systems from other industries from other you know yeah it's like the people went out there and did certain things i mean in in um like in the 1980s, the, the site temporary supply companies who did power supplies for, for, for building sites in the UK were making up these leads with connectors on and, and they were often waterproof because most of the time they're, they're outside. And they were, they were pluggable, big, big things, they're quite, quite bulky. And so they, they took a step forward. They learned from someone, our, like the, the people who developed the system in our company, looked at that and went, all right, okay, we can take that a step further. And you just little bits, little bits, yeah. little bits, other people that have come in and, and you know, there's, there's a few different variants out there. Um, but what, what amazes me is some of the companies that have, have then looked at modular wiring, they've gone down the same avenue that companies in the UK and Europe did like 15 years ago. And then they've, they've made the same mistake. I, I don't get it. Like you've got to, learn and, and, and adapt from learning from others as well. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, people can fall into the trap of, of thinking that they have to, you know, if they're going to be innovative, they have to 
just do a, a radical 180 degree turn. And, and really it's, it's finding those 1% improvements in everything that you're doing. And those add up to in combination, create that 180 degree turn, but you're not yeah. going to go all at once <laughs> in, in one no. movement, that, that huge radical change. I, I, um, I think one of my heroes growing up again is uh, Richard Branson. And I still like reading and listening to, to what, what's going on with him. I think he's about to go and into space or something like that in the next very, very near future. Um, but like listening and reading to a lot of his stuff is they, they've, they've, I guess, copied or they've innovated from well, looked at something, seen, seen a gap in the market ultimately, yeah, they, or they've seen something that's been done, you know, in their view badly or, or, or not so well. And they've, they've produced a, a variant of that, or, or like you said, just an incremental uh, 1% change. And then yeah. put their put their brand on it. They've made some horrendous failures. I mean, they they they're honest about that. They fail badly with some things, but they, they live and learn. Yeah, definitely. They didn't stop. They went. They carried on and moved on to other other um, market sectors or other other industries. Yeah, you keep on learning. That's the the name of the game. So, yeah. Well, starting kind of back at the the beginning of the project, what should yes. the start of a project look like in terms of communication, and then who should have a seat at the table for those early discussions. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and this is my opinion, obviously, but from experience, I have had the, the benefit of being around these tables and these workshops at the very beginning. So I, I think there needs to be, if you're looking at what goes in a building, uh, and, and we know what goes in a building because it's, it's documented. So a lot of the time, um, my involvement has been around hospital work. So, you bring the stakeholders in, the people who are going to operate that, that facility. And it's about creating the environment for them to work in and, and what they need in there and how it functions. So understanding that side of things is the, the stakeholder. It's probably a good idea to bring the people in who hold the first strings because they will have an idea and know what the budget is because a lot of times these things are drawn up, amazing schemes and it's way over budget from, from day one. And they've already expended millions of, of dollars on um, design. Um, so yeah, architects are key, the, the, the consultants for all of the, the specialist uh, areas and obviously the builder. Um, we'll have the, the contract team, the, the client side and, and the, the builder side of things. And then it's important to bring in the trades. It's really important because they don't get a, a look in at that stage unless they do they do these things called uh, expression of interest where you put your information forward or uh, they're doing early contractor involvement here but they'll just pick one i think you need to have a um uh, a sort of an untainted and and, and uh, clear view on what the project you, or what you're trying to achieve uh with that project and and bring in the experts from from previous from previous projects so the the teams that have done things before and i think it's probably a, a, a very worthwhile um, exercise to run through uh, some form of lessons learned uh, and feedback session at the very beginning and then uh, the specialists so the you know in hospitals you've got specialists in in the machines and what's happening there now in in um all of the really important things that go into the hospitals or, or whatever that building might be so 
that that would be quite a big table. That would be a very very big uh, round table. But I think start off with with a lot of people like that, but but manage it well. Manage that process well. So there is input. There is um, you know the architects don't just run off with things or the the builders don't run off with the the conversation. Is structure it in a way that you you give people input um, based on their experience before what like really address the lessons learned address address the things that can be improved upon from their experience and that's you know that's not even talking about sort of prefabrication or industrialized construction that's just really logic in in, in my view um, now that does happen in, in and under some some contracts and in other industries as well um, and so uh, that, that gives you from from my perspective and experience what I think should be happening from very early on before you even start to design that building is look at the look at all those elements yeah so how do you accomplish that many people at the table on the front side with mm. and not make it uh, either a, an unruly conversation because there's so many voices mm. but how do you make it productive and, and make sure that everybody is heard and yeah. their input is is put forward so yeah I, and i can only really Give, it, give an answer to that based on uh, what I've experienced through this uh, Procure 21 scheme. Now it's it's got a different name now. I think it's we're on to Procure 22 or something like that now, or whatever the variant is in the UK. But it's it's managed around the contract, so it, it, it there is a structure to that. There is there is structure there. It's through the the governing contract for that particular um, project, that hospital in in that case, and there are metrics there. And you've got a facilitator that runs these workshops. You've got people who are trained, understand how to manage people in those scenarios. And rather than creating, or you've got to break down the barriers, obviously, right? So you've got to have someone on people who there are quite uh, uh, used to dealing with people in these, these situations. And they're not always from the construction industry. But yeah. Some of the facilitators that I, I worked with were um, from all, all sorts of different parts. A lot of them that I had been uh, party to were from oil and gas, and these people just they just do stuff. Just, they get they they strip away all of the, the personal agendas, and they say, right guys, we're focused on this. If you're going to be part of this project and this this framework, you will get you know agreed margins, and you'll get you'll get returns, and you'll get paid well, and we'll all look after each other, and we'll share the risk. It's about addressing that risk point straight away. So. That's what I've experienced. It's 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 down to that facilitation and and how the contract metrics work. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, kind of cutting through the, uh, just the murkiness <laughs> and, and yeah, checking yeah. ego at the door, quite frankly, as well too. And you're all on the same team and this is, well, what's the what's the big win look like for the team and not necessarily yeah. for each individual because everybody's striving in the end for the yeah. same goal yeah 
So I mean that those contracts might not work on every every job, but they they offer the the, the gain share at the end of. This. So if if the group makes a profit at the end of this from the from the budget that they've managed, they get to share that. Okay, so it might not be huge dollars, but it's it's instead of looking down the barrel of going worried about um, being late or damages and liquidated damages and and, and risk in it, in that that aspect, you're looking to innovate and, and value engineer. In, in the true definition of what value engineering is, not 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 trying to cut cost, because that's not value engineering, that's devaluing. Devalue engineering, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah, like you said, you've got the the eye on the prize, the the the, the same goal, and you're working towards that together. And it, it does happen. It, it, it has happened and, and some industries do it really well. I mean car industries do it really well and the, the oil and gas industry do it really, really well. Yeah. So what does true collaboration mean and look like to you? Um, yeah, I think like you probably answered that one before. It's like that it, you've got to have the, um, uh, really the, 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 the shared vision, I think is one of the things you've got to have the shared vision and the shared outcomes. And that comes down to values. Okay. Um, why why are we all in this if, if people are just chasing the dollar then I, I don't know whether you can change people like that they're just chasing the dollar you know profit the dollar value it's people who want to see things done for for the right reasons and um there's a mix of people in in all industries who who, who do and don't see that mm-hmm. um true collaboration for me is it's that team it's that that sort of team mentality you might not be part of the same team every project or every time but approaching it that way, open, um, not with a fear factor going in there, or like you said before, with the ego. You've got to, you've got to kind of sometimes suppress the ego and look at the, the, the greater good. Um, and there's there's plenty of people there pushing that and talking about that, uh, and, and they seem to do it pretty really well. So that that type of early focus, if there's a problem that occurs, and they will occur. Is, is you bring it to the table. You bring it back. You don't suddenly go right. Let's get the lawyers in. Let's get let's get right. these guys. Let's get let's sue him. Let's sue her. Let's let's cover our backside. You know, it's let's no let's deal with this. Okay, guys, there's a problem. What do we do? What what ideas have we got? What's the workaround? What what do we what have we done before? You know, what happened when this happened on you know the previous project? Is oh okay, so that's what you did there. That, that's great. Okay, back on track. You know, yeah. rather than grinding to a halt or people having to try and always think about catching each other out. It's, you know, try and help each other. So that, that to me is, is, is collaboration and, and coming at things openly and, and really, really important is communication is, is, uh, I probably over communicate. I, I talk a lot uh, with people and, um, people like to then put stuff on emails and make sure you're confirming all those things, but it's, it's, it's having that dialogue as well and um execution is important not just talking about things um people get stuck in the past talking about all the things the great things they've done just just do it just just get on and do it guys let's just just do this and um yeah honesty as well i think that open communication is is huge because if you did you know, mess something up the other people are going to know about it. <laughs> you yeah, trying exactly. to hide it. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> yeah. We're all pointing fingers and, and, you know, it's, 
it's at the end of the day, someone's going to be pointing, or lots of people might be pointing fingers back at you. So you, you know, you know, guys, look, we've we've made a mistake. Okay, or something got broken, or it didn't yeah. work the way we thought it was going to work. Okay, right. Let's how do we how do we resolve it or solve it? Yeah, yeah. Just own it. Roll up your sleeves and yep. Get cracking at it. I agree. I think that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so what's needed then to help in this mindset shift that we've been talking about and this in order for you know this model for the industry to really be successful and tying it into moving the trades up mm. more to the the front of the line as well too in those early yeah. conversations yeah so so one of the things i obviously touched on this before is the, the technology and all the design platforms so you know 3d 4d 5d all these you know the level of design all those things are being done really, really well. And there's a lot of focus being done on that. I think what we, I think the expectation seems to be that, wow, that's done now we're, you know, that's it. We've kind of, we've changed the world. We, everyone's gonna jump on board and use these platforms. And it's not the case, okay? Not everyone's gonna suddenly adopt the technology that's there to design it. it it's there and it, it can be used well. You then need to bring in the, the, the doers, the people who actually physically build these things or, or install these things on sites and work on what, what elements of their, um, like their daily work or their, their repetitive work can be um, systemized. You can, you can look at um, electrical and I think I touched on this earlier on is the, there's a lot of PowerPoints in, in hospitals. There's a lot of uh, head walls or there's a lot of medical service panels in, in, in there. And, they're all pretty much the same. Okay, so what could you do, guys, to systemize that or to to look at um, uh, making some efficiencies there? And they could be like they did start doing this in, in certain certain places. They just go in a room and get the guys to wire up all those accessories and get them pre pre terminated and wired up and ready to go. So that that's like little steps. It's it's the little steps really, Todd. To be honest with you, it's but breaking down what they do and then looking at that. And, and I'm probably asking the questions of them about what, what ideas have you guys got about improving this and making it more efficient? Um, yeah, so that, that, that's one, one aspect, certainly. Um, the, the other side of things, uh, big, it's a huge question, so it's, it's hard to sort of pick, pick the, the answer to all things, but um, yeah, bring bring them in early. I mean, bring bring them in and 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 introduce them to to what happens earlier on, and not just the, not the selected few, but more people. Because look, there's guys there. People have got some great ideas on, on how things can be um, improved and, and worked upon. If all these mindsets were to take place, what kind of impact would that have on the industry? Whether it's cultural or uh, economic or uh, just the the relationship aspect of it across the stakeholders okay yeah so the yeah it, it's the it's, it's where the risk lies okay and that's the that, that's the trust thing so if that's taken away or or, or mitigated more then i think people's uh, barriers will fall people will be much more open to, to this collaboration that we we all seem to want to have um so the um the openness of of a, of a collaborative approach can, can breed that as long as those things are delivered and as long as it's the people don't try and um, just look for the quick buck. It, it, we've got to look at it from a, 
a really holistic perspective. Um, it will probably create some division to start with, really, and it, it, I think it already has, is if you don't innovate and you're not using this software and you're not part of this group, then you're kind of, you're kind of off the list, you're out of the framework. Um, but it, it, the standardization of things, some, some productization of things will, will probably bring more people in um, and, and, and the capabilities will increase, certainly from what I've seen within the trades of what can be done with smaller teams, much more efficient, much more agile teams. Um, some of the people who are coming through now, like the millennial, um, uh, the millennials that are coming into the market now, these guys are looking for the simpler, easier things to do. And it's like, it's a it's great mindset that these guys have got coming in. It's really good to see. They're, they're open to it. There's got to be an openness there. Yeah. Nice. Well, Simon, how do people get a hold of you or, or find out more information? Yeah. So um, look me up on LinkedIn on there. Um, my, uh, my email, we can, we can certainly share that one. So Simon at apexwiringsolutions.com. Uh, also part of uh, a group for uh, MEP, Evo MEP in Australia that we set up about two years ago. Evo MEP is uh, the MEP that is the mechanical electrical plumbing of the trades. So it's an Australian company that we set up with a group of like-minded people who work across those, those areas. Um, uh, so Neil, myself, um, now we've got two other partners in the group as well. And so they're, they're heavily into duct work, pipe work, um, prefabrication of all of these elements. And uh, so we, we've, we've, we've formed this group uh, or company um, at the beginning of last year, perfect timing. We decided <laughs> to start a company just when COVID was hitting. So we like- It's a great time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great time. But in, in, on reflection, it actually was a really good time because what we were doing and, and still do is looking at that sort of what can be done offsite. Okay, what, what, what can you guys do um, offsite with us or we can help you with that currently? And, and this is the thing, because of the COVID rules, certainly in, in Melbourne, we were in lockdown for a long time last year and they allowed construction to continue, but with something like 20, 30% of the numbers on site. So we, were, we had people coming to us asking to help um, do things and, and it, it really boosted the prefabrication market. So uh, it's, a, it's a combination and um, a group. There's a, uh, one of the sort of big members of our group is um, the Kavanaugh Industries Group. So Aidan Kavanaugh, who's a, a good uh, longtime friend of Amy Marks, they, they talk a lot. Yep. Um, and he's a big change agent for our industry uh, here and uh, leading the way. They've, they've formed a, uh, a supply chain group from different states around Australia. So you can get duct work and pipe work from different different sources to the same standards, um, to the same quality controls. Um, and you go to your local supply chain to, to find that. So commonality and looking at, this is the sort of really cool thing here by offering these things now um, through this group. It's not just us, there are there are others and, and doing that, but we, we took the plunge last year, came together, um, so Neil Vipier and myself, um, and there was another guy involved initially that, you know, that he went off in a different direction to us. Um, yeah, and we, we, we came together to, to do that collaboration, to do that just you know, through everything we do every day. And so it's there for the contractors or the builders and 
the architects and consultants are loving it. They, they're the ones who are really sort of going, yeah, we want to see this. Like hospitals now, they're going, hey, what can we do from day one on the design rather than, rather than designing it and then trying to fit things in? Can we, can we look at it a different way? Yeah. So Evo MEP is a combination of, gosh, probably about, at the moment, um, anywhere up to about 10 companies who are all part of this, this, um, this company now. And we get the benefit of that because they've got a lot of experience here as well. So it's really cool. It's very cool. Um, we, we sort of, we looked at, I know there's Evolve MEP over there and right up on, on behind you on the billboard there. That's so right. It's kind of a, you know, a doff to these guys, but it's, we're, we're focusing on like building these route, the rises, the, the frames, uh, corridor modules, uh, plant rooms, um, the the guys in Sydney who we work with have done a, a fair amount of work on like the heavier end of town with, with data centers and that type of thing. Um, but then we, you know, we'll be working in and around hospitals, schools are doing a, a big push at the moment. There's a lot of commercial buildings coming back on, on track again now. So, and there's lots of new modular builders, um, uh, prefabrication offsite uh, construction happening and they want to see like serviced walls, service partitions, pre-service things now in, in factories. And that's something which we can help with because we've had experience and um, we're, we're dealing with a couple of those now. And, and, and it's very cool, very cool. Some of the things that are happening. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for unpacking that. So uh, yeah, look me up, reach out and happy to talk. Awesome. Well, last question for you, Simon, what does innovation mean to you? Innovation to me um, is that really uh, hand on heart, open honesty about uh, moving forwards um, for, the, for the right reasons. It's, it, for me, it's um, looking at what we can do to, to improve our environment that we all live and work in and looking for, for the things that we can do little little bits every day, little, little incremental improvements every day. Awesome. Simon, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Really enjoyed the conversation. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Ted. Thank you. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, when thinking through the ROI for industrialized construction, remember this is a long-term play. It doesn't mean you won't find immediate benefits, but you do need to have realistic expectations. IC is a marathon, not a sprint. You are bridging the gap from what can be done to what will be done in the future. This leads me to my second take. It's important to give yourself the freedom to fail if you learn from those mistakes. Simon had a great line that innovation stands on the shoulders of the people before you. Find those 1% improvements that you can make. They add up to be a monumental change. And finally, don't try to hide your mistakes. People are going to know. When you do make a mistake, own it, address it, and then roll up your sleeves to fix it and learn from it you will garner so much more respect from others in the end. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asdi.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production.
Copyright Applied Software 2021.